What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Stamp here. So excited to have you. Listen, before we get into it, quick little update that we are no longer going to be doing weekly episodes. So listen, we're going to be doing it every other week, which is what you have been used to for, I don't know, five, six years. And in truth, the reason is we, we didn't hear much of a response either way. We didn't see any impact on metrics, downloads, listens, and it's a lot more work. And so while we're trying to do some new things, we're trying to get more social media content up. We're trying to do a better job with video, more website content. It just makes sense to spend just as much of our time recording as it does on other things and weekly episodes did not allow that. So look, if you feel differently, let us know. Smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Let's get into it. So this week on the show, we are talking to Dr. Becca Levy about her new book called Breaking the Age Code. How Your Beliefs About Aging Determine How Long and Well You Live. And in short, this reiterates perhaps one of, if not my biggest learnings from the 10 plus years of this podcast, which is 
the things we tell ourselves and the thoughts we have and the stories we create literally shape our existence. And so it's not a far stretch to learn that the way you think about aging will determine how you age. If you think being old is terrible, it probably will be. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. In fact, what Dr. Levy's going to talk to us about is how our thoughts about aging actually influence our hormones that can cause us to age. They can cause us to be sick. Dr. Levy is the leading authority on how beliefs about aging influence aging health. She is a professor of epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health and professor of psychology at Yale University. Her pathfinding studies have changed the way we think about aging. They've received awards from the American Psychological Association, the Gerontological Society of America, and the International Association of Gerontology and Geriatrics, which, you know, is all about aging. This is somebody finding a key that helps unlock what many of us want, which is a long, healthy life. And now she wants to give you that key. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, here's what I'm going to ask. Send it to an aging parent or friend. Share this. Yes, it benefits us. But think about this. I was just talking to my parents about it over the weekend because I really want them to know this. And I'm going to continue having this conversation. You can do the same. I hope you enjoy it. I hope this sparks your curiosity, changes your thinking, improves your life, and improves the life of those around you. If it does, reach out to me, smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Let's get into it. We are talking to Dr. Becca Levy about her brand new, incredible book, Breaking the Age Code, how your beliefs about aging determine how long and well you live. Enjoy. The name of your book, Breaking the Age Code. How Your Beliefs About Aging Determine How Long and Well You Live. With no other context, I will take that as I can think my way into a long, healthy life. On this podcast, I've talked to a lot of people about the brain and thoughts and all this, and I've gotten so excited about how much impact the brain and our thoughts have on our lives. But when I got your book, I was like, nope, we've gone too far. You can't tell me. I can think my way into health. So tell me, can I, is there real truth there? Yes. Well, I think there is truth in the idea that these age beliefs that we take in starting at a very young age, starting at about age two or three, we start to take in the beliefs about our culture. We do know from a lot of the science that these age beliefs can impact our health in a lot of different ways. And the age beliefs often do come from culture, but we also can control them. We can adjust them. We can make them more positive by simple exercises. And uh, we, so we can take in the beliefs, but we can also have control over them. What is an age belief? I heard you mention that a yes. few times and nobody <laughs> knows that. That's not in the common lexicon. Yeah, so that's a good question. And a lot of people aren't aware that they have them. But one of the things that I do to access them is I just ask people, when you think about an older person, what are the first five words or phrases that come to mind? And just about everybody I've ever talked to can quickly come up with images. 
And those often, unfortunately, in our culture, the first ones that people mention are often negative. Uh, but usually by the end of the, when they get to the four or five, usually people can talk about positive images that they have. So these are these beliefs that we take in from social media, from literature, from movies that portray older people in different ways. And then we hold those images in our mind. Yep. I'm with you. You ask me, I'm thinking gray hair, canes, pickleball, <laughs> doctors, and a weird smell. Okay. I don't know. That's just what came okay, through my yeah. <laughs> so great. So you have sort of action-oriented ones. You have an appearance one, which many people, one of the first things they mention is an appearance a aspect of, of aging. Um, and then you have, the last one you said was something about a smell. I mean, so... Oh, weird, weird smell. smell. Yeah, I just, I think it comes from my grandparents. <laughs> okay, that certainly is a portrayal in, in media, you know, in marketing, a, a sort of one of the negative beliefs that it's really easy to encounter about, about aging, which does not apply to, you know, to, to most older people. So it's, yeah, so there are these beliefs that we pick up from advertisements from everyday life that um, can impact how we think about older people in general. And what we found is that these beliefs impact our own aging as well. To me, uh, my parents are older, but I still play golf with my dad. He's super active. Like, I, I'm like, that's great. You're living the dream, I tell him, right? I'm thinking old is late 80s at this point. One of the things that's striking me is how do we define old or aging? Yeah, that's a great question. And there, there is no single biomarker of aging. So it's not like we're trees and you can count the number of rings that you have. You know, there's really right. no way to take a biological measure that picks up on somebody's age because there's just so much variation. And I think in part because there's so much variation, there's a lot of room for you know, what we call social determinants or the psychological factors and cultural factors that impact the meaning that we give to aging. So, and often people define it in very different ages. So often in our studies, so for example, in that question that, that we talked about, when you think about an old person, we actually don't define what that age is because people come up with different ages in, you know, in, in their images. Um, and it can change a little bit by culture what that, what that age is. Um, but in, 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 and then in other studies we've conducted, we do have a set age that we define as aging. It's usually, you know, for the older people, it's usually over the age of 60 or 65. Um, but again, there's great variation. You mentioned the studies you conduct, and I wanted to zoom out for a second and talk about your background, how you got here. Tell us, how do you get into, honestly, saying... I bet we can think our way into health or, and I know it's, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but how does that happen? And what do those studies look like? Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question. So I really became interested in this topic of how these beliefs can impact our health uh, during a trip to Japan. So when I was in graduate school, I had the opportunity to travel there to, and my goal was to study why Japan has the longest lifespan in the world. And I was particularly interested in looking to see whether I could identify factors that we can control, that we can have um, some control over changing or improving. And what I immediately noticed when I arrived is how differently older people are treated in Japan to what I was used to seeing where, and I was living in Boston at the time. So I was used to seeing a lot of ageism in everyday life whenever I was living in Boston. And in contrast, what I noticed when I arrived in Japan was older people were celebrated in a lot of different ways. So they have a national holiday celebrating older people, centenarians and super centenarians who are people over the age of 115. Um, they are celebrated as celebrities on television. So there's this whole culture of embracing and celebrating 
aging and I became really interested in, is it possible that those beliefs have an impact on longevity? Is that one of the reasons why they have the longest lifespan in the world? And then what I found subsequently is there is actually evidence that we were able to collect that scientifically shows that these age beliefs can impact health and longevity. How do you go about feeling confident determining this is impacted by something as ambiguous as our thoughts? Yeah, so that's a good question. And I feel lucky to have had great mentors that kind of exposed me to different science that gave me some of the tools to think about this. So you're right. So it's really important to think about whether there are alternative explanations. And in so there's different ways that we get at that. So one is um, in it, we do experiments where we can randomly assign people to positive or negative age beliefs and activate the beliefs that they have in their minds. So then, um, so that would be regardless of their lifestyle or a lot of other factors, we can see whether that has an impact on different health outcomes. Um, and then the other, other way that we do it is in our cross-cultural studies, we're able to adjust for a number of factors that could explain the outcome. So we're able to look to see whether is it possible that these age beliefs are impacting, well, so for example, longevity above and beyond other factors that could contribute to longevity, such as physical health, such as whether they are lonely or depressed, such as what, what they're eating, you know, so, so we can adjust in models and actually isolate the age beliefs themselves, if that makes sense. I could imagine anyone saying our beliefs impact us, but it, it has to reach a level of impact where it's worth understanding. Curious, are you talking we can add years, we can fix disease, we can, what actually can we impact? So, I mean, so to give you one example, so for in our longevity research, uh, so what the way, so what actually when I got back from Japan, the way that I was able to study whether these beliefs impact longevity and how much was I found this town in Oxford, Ohio, where researchers decades ago interviewed everybody who was 50 and over. And um, so and then I was able to work with the people that collected that information and match it to survival information that I got from the government. And what we found was following those people over 23 years, the people who took in more positive age beliefs had a seven and a half year survival, median survival advantage over those who took in more negative age beliefs. So that was, yeah, so I actually Whoa. was, yes, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that we would see such a big impact, but, but yeah, it, it does seem like there are these str um, strong, robust outcomes. In your book, is your focus more on extending life or is it extending what a lot of people now are calling health span, just the healthy life? So is it adding years? Is it being healthier? Is it curing disease? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I yes, I think you're right that health span is really a great goal to uh, to work towards. And so I've looked at both. So I look at both absolute number of years of survival, but I also am very interested in health span, as you put it. So uh, we have done studies which show that, for example, those who take in more positive age beliefs have lower stress levels, they have better balance, they have better uh, cognition, better memory scores. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there's a number of outcomes that are very related to health span as well. I asked this at the beginning, but it's as you say it, it's really fascinating. You're saying take in positive age beliefs. What do you mean when we say take in? Uh, so what I mean when I say take in is that we all 
are products of our culture. So I don't think we, it's inevitable. I think we're not, we're not um, destined to necessarily follow the messages of our culture. But if we don't, if we're not active members of the culture, we do tend to take in a lot of the messages that are out there. Um, so we know from research that children as young as three have already taken in the age beliefs of their culture. And that would be from, you know, from many different sources, from, from um, nursery, nursery rhymes and from songs and from, you know, be watching television and social media. So there's a lot of ways that even as young as three, we're exposed to these images of aging and they continue throughout our, our lifespan. Is it primarily a function of our environment or is it conscious at all? So we do know that they can operate without our awareness unconsciously. We can take them out, take them on with, without, um, without even knowing that we're doing it. But the good news is that we can become very aware of them and we can improve them if we live in a culture that's giving us negative messages about aging. There's, there's a number of things that we can do to take control over that process. I've heard this before, right? Picture it healing. Imagine white light. There's a lot of things that personally feel, I really hope they're true, but I don't know if that's exactly what yours gets at. Where is the line drawn between changing our beliefs about aging and changing our beliefs about disease? Right. So in uh, so I'm specifically interested in these images of aging. So um, as we talked about, it's sort of, it's above and beyond our health measures at baseline when people start in, in, in these studies, it's above and beyond sort of their optimistic thinking. So um, that's something that we've adjusted for because we want to show that it's not just thinking positively in general, there's something specific to these age beliefs, these images that we take in from our culture that are having the impact on, on health. So yeah, so, so what you're talking about is different if, 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 it, if somebody's thinking about you know illness or disease I mean that could have an impact but that is that's different than what we've been focusing on which are these images of aging themselves the million dollar question what is happening behind the scenes and by behind the scenes I mean in our brains in our bodies that can connect a belief to a physical very important outcome such as health span or lifespan? So what is the mechanism that allows these beliefs that, it, that can be um, very sort of nebulous that exist in, in the culture and, and, and in these different, um, in social media, in television, how do those actually get under our skin and influence our, our physiology and our health? Um, so I, one of the ways that I actually first became interested in this topic was I had this experience with my grandmother. So we were um, in a store and she was uh, walking very quickly. She's a very fit uh, 75 year old woman at the time. And she fell over a very sharp box that was left in the middle of the aisle and she got a gash on her leg and it was, it was just really terrible. And I helped her uh, to, to, to stand up again and, and um, helped her to walk out of the store. And on our way out, we told the store manager that he had left, um, the store had left this dangerous box in the middle of the aisle. And his response was, well, what do you expect from older people? They fall all the time. She shouldn't be walking around. And it was such an awful thing to say, like following this awful experience and then to have this kind of ageist, awful thing to say to her. Um, really upset me, but it wasn't only the words themselves that were so upsetting. 
it was to see the effect that it had on her. So she, I think, immediately felt bad about herself as an older person. She felt diminished and it made her not want to do her usual walking exercises um, and, you know, lowered her um, her feelings, you know, her, her self-esteem. And, uh, and so what I noticed, and I mean, eventually she was able to get back to her, her old self, but it really had this incredible impact on her. And I noticed the different levels on which it was operating. And so that's also what we found in our research is that it can, these age beliefs can impact sort of us psychologically. So if you take in, you know, more negative age beliefs, you're less likely to have, um, you know, you're more likely to be depressed or, or less likely to, to feel good about yourself. They're also can influence on a behavioral level. So they can impact, um, our, how much we exercise, how much we eat healthy food, whether we take prescribed medications. And then the third way is actually through our physiology. And we have found that those who take in more negative age beliefs have a number of different physiological changes, including stress biomarkers, such as um, cortisol is, is something that we found. If you have more negative age beliefs, uh, people tend to have higher levels of cortisol, which is the damaging level for it to go. But the good news is that we've also found the reverse. So for every negative impact, we've also almost always found a positive impact of taking in the positive age beliefs. And now a quick word from one of this week's sponsors. Fast Company Press is a book publishing company looking for authors who think differently. As the publishing imprint of Fast Company magazine, they bring the stories of thought leaders and innovators to life. Fast Company Press publishes business books with the same commitment to quality and design that you've come to know and love in their magazine. Fast Company Press has a unique publishing model, which allows authors to retain their rights while also having national distribution to major retailers. Its authors enjoy the influence of Fast Company support in print and digital channels. Fast Company Press has a roster of innovators, rule breakers, and bestsellers. Do you have a book idea ready for consideration? Visit fastcompanypress.com slash podcast for a no-charge manuscript evaluation or publishing consultation. That's fastcompanypress.com slash podcast. And now back to the episode. What about our age beliefs would impact our cortisol level? And like at what age does that kick in? In terms of well, when it kicks in, so... We know that the age beliefs themselves are taken in, as we talked about it, you know, at a really young age by preschoolers and then are continued throughout childhood and young adulthood. Um, and we've also found we had one study where we looked at young adults who we talked to them about their age beliefs when they were um, in, below the age of tw like 20 or so. And then um, we they were followed over time. And what was found was these age beliefs that were. Uh, expressed at a young age impacted likelihood of having a cardiovascular event when they turn 60. So these have these real kind of long-term impact, even starting at a, re a really, a really young age. Um, how? Yeah. Like, how okay. is that? I mean, yeah. Okay. How, yeah. Just how? Yeah. Okay. okay. I need to know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I think I was the second part of your question, which, which, uh, yeah, about well, how does it impact cortisol? How does it impact physiology? And I, I think. You know, I think part of it is that these age beliefs can act as a lens on how we take in the world. And in that way, they can impact um, a number of different internal processes. And I think one of the 
one of the ones that I think is particularly powerful is stress. So we know when people take in more negative age beliefs that they have an elevated response to stress, or if they take in the more positive age beliefs, they actually have a beneficial effect. They have a reduced level of experiencing stress. And we know from a lot of research that stress levels can have a number of impacts on our physiology. So I think that is one of the main ways that these messages that are out there can actually impact something like cortisol. Why do you think that how I feel about a 90-year-old will impact my, let's say, 20-year-old stress hormones? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So that's a good question. So it isn't that, so we find one of the things actually um, that I talk about in Breaking Age Code is the importance of self-relevance. So yes, you're pointing actually out something very important. So it isn't that for young people that they immediately are going to see higher stress levels because often they have distancing from, you know, these older, older people, older images. It isn't until those older images are self-relevant that they kick in. So it actually, so, um, so for example, in the cardiovascular study I was describing, it isn't that they have heart attacks at the age of 20 when they first taken in the negative age beliefs. It's that they take in these beliefs that are rooted in their minds. And then when they reach that age group, it becomes self-relevant. And that's when it can start to in increase stress levels. What do you say to that person who is healthy approaching what people call old age and is deathly afraid of it is tying themselves to a view of aging that is literally unhealthy right and i she's definitely not alone in our culture there is a lot of negativity towards aging a lot of fear of aging and unfortunately there is this whole industry of anti-aging products that is out there that actually makes a profit from promoting fear of aging so there's a lot of advertisements that we can find that talk about fighting and battling and you know um, getting rid of aging as if it's the enemy as opposed to presenting examples of aging that we can celebrate and examples of, you know, there are many examples of people who are doing amazing things in later life that we could, we could develop as role models. And so I think just by being a member of our culture, it's really hard to avoid the, those, that fear mongering. But on the other hand, we can. So that's, I think, the positive message of the book is that there are a lot of tools that we can develop once we become aware of them and start to start to use them that can actually reduce fear of aging and find things to look forward to. I'll tell you, one of my favorite parts of talking to people on this podcast is changing my paradigm. And what I love about paradigms is, I like the metaphor, they're lenses that we wear until we're aware that we even have those lenses. It colors everything you do, but you don't know it. And you said something there, which is this fear of aging. And you said it as if it was a choice. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know how to even live in a world where you don't fear aging. I just naturally, without hesitation, link aging up to loss. In your global perspective, are there other ways to view it that aren't tied to, look, when you get old, things start breaking? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of messages in our culture that encourage us to think about all the things that, um, all these negative things that people, um, you know, a lot of them are, are, are myths about things that happen in aging. 
Um, and I think though, what we can look at are different cultures who have very different views of aging. Um, so for example, in writing the book, one of my favorite um, groups that I got to know were these grandmothers in Zimbabwe who live in a culture that has many positive views of aging, a lot, has a lot of respect for the older members of their culture. And they've actually developed something called the friendship bench. And these grandmothers come, come um, together in the communities on these friendship benches and they meet younger people and people of all different ages and try to improve their mental health. And they've had great success doing it. And in part that happens because it's a culture that embraces aging. So they embrace these grandmothers to take this important role. And then by taking on this role, they improve their own beliefs about aging and elevate older people in their community further. And that has um, positive impacts on their own health. So I think there are just a lot of different models of how we can think about aging that are out there. Does the physical aspect of aging ever come up in these other cultures with the recognition that, you know, or do they just look at it as a natural part of life? One's not necessarily better than the other. Exactly. I think there's a much more of an acceptance of the lifespan as being this natural process and has advantages and disadvantages at every stage of it. And thinking about what we want to embrace or some of the positive qualities can be have a lot of you know health benefits in, in, in every culture. You know, one of the things that I can't help but uh, remember that you said, and it's really highlighting a lot of this, is how does our beliefs about aging change our actual behavior? Because, you know, our thoughts lead to our behaviors, our behaviors lead to our results. So you go, I'm old or I'm getting old. Therefore, I believe I can't be as active. Therefore, I'm not as active. Therefore, I suffer the consequences of not being active. And it just is one of those fascinating things about the mind and our thinking about it being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. And, and you're right. And I think that is definitely one of the processes that leads to these health effects. But the important thing, I think, is that these cycles, these self-fulfilling prophecies can operate in both directions. So as you said, if we're taking more of the negative messages, it can lead to worse health behaviors, it leads to worse health, it reinforces the negative beliefs. But in contrast, we can see the opposite. So that's something that I have been really excited to find in, in my own research, is that if we strengthen the positive beliefs about aging, that can lead to health behavior benefits, and that can lead to physical health um, benefits, and that can strengthen the positive age beliefs. So we actually have found in our research something that, um, like a snowballing effect. So we actually find that because of this positive loop, you can actually see improvements over time. So once you start the ball rolling, you know, of thinking about these positive age beliefs in a, in a stronger way, it's like a snowball. It keeps rolling and getting bigger and bigger and can actually have increased benefits over time. Gotcha. Well, we only like to focus on the negative here, so we're not going to get into that. No, I'm kidding. So I, I've, I've heard you mention it. I know the book talks about it a lot. Let's first start with, and we talked about where our age beliefs can come from. I would love to know from your research, what types of, like, how do you define positive and negative age beliefs? And I mean, what are some actual answers that people give so that the people at home might be able to say, mine are positive or mine are negative? Yeah, so that's a good question. And actually, uh, I, I'm going to be putting up a website that has a quiz so people ah, can I love it. 
Um, yeah, they can actually take a self quiz and get a, get an answer at the end of where they are with their images of aging. So that's going to be on our website, which should be up soon, which is will be becca-levy.com. Um, and there will be this image of aging quiz that people can try out. But um, it's so in, in the research that I've been conducting, we look at positive and negative age beliefs in different ways, depending on the, the project. But so, for example, in our experiments where we activate the positive age beliefs, the way that we came up with those positive age beliefs is we've asked us, we've surveyed a bunch of people in the community. We've asked them, like, when you think of an old person, whether, what are the words or phrases that come to mind? We've taken this long list of phrases and then we've had another group rate them on how positive or negative each word is, each response is, and then how much it's related to aging. So, um, so this may be more details than your. No, this is great. But, no, I, but, I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. But so the ones that are positive would be the ones that are rated as positive, but also as relevant to aging. And so, for example, some of the uh, words that we've used in our studies would be wisdom and spry and creative. So those are some of the ones that were rated as positive and, and age relevant. Um, in contrast, some of the ones that would be rated as related to aging and negative would be things like senile, confused, decline, which is not to say that any of those factors are are not, you know, we, there's a lot of variability. And so I think um, they're all sort of important ways to think about, about aging. All right, well, let's get into it. Okay, if people are feeling really bad about things, I, I, I'm saving the best for towards the end here. But this is a primarily Western audience listening. And I think we all know that Westerners tend to have uh, not the most positive view towards aging. How do we change that? Because it does seem like it's been ingrained for, since we were little, like you said, how do we change that? Yeah, so that's a good question. So I think the first step that I have found, one of the most powerful things is, as we've talked about, is to increase our awareness. So because we know these age beliefs can operate without our awareness, we want to make us, the first step is to bring them to our, the front of our minds and be aware when we're encountering them. And this means becoming aware of our own age beliefs, but also the age beliefs that we encounter in everyday life. So one, uh, so in, in the book, Breaking the Age Code, I present about 15 or so evidence-based tools that people can take on to actually improve their age beliefs. But one of them, to give you an example that we have found is particularly powerful that people can start doing today, is something I call age belief journaling. And what this involves is for one week, write down every portrayal of aging that you encounter everywhere. So it could be, you know, in social media, could be on television, could be in watching a movie, could be on reading a book, could be a conversation that you overhear in a coffee shop, anywhere. So every time you hear somebody say something about aging, write it down and then mark whether it's a positive portrayal or a negative portrayal. And if it's a negative portrayal, take a moment and think about, is there a different way that aging could have been presented? Is there a different portrayal of aging that could be presented? And then another part of this is actually to mark whether there is no portrayal of older people. So if you watch a, a two hour movie and everybody is under the age of 20, that's something to write down because we also know that by excluding older people, by not giving them a representation or a portrayal, that that too can have negative impacts. On, on the older people and how we think about aging. Hey, quick break here. Listen, if this idea of living well, living long, thinking about aging in a healthy way interests you, there's a lot you can do to help that process along. 
And one of those things is make sure what we're putting in and on our body is healthy, natural, organic, and we couldn't have a better sponsor than Golden Poppy Herbal Apothecary. They are a small, handcrafted, woman-run business dedicated to helping you find natural solutions to your health needs. One of my favorite things that they make is their small-batch handcrafted teas, as well as their tea additives, if you will. There's one called the Adaptogenic Immortality Powder. It's one of their top formulations. It uses 100% organic and locally grown mushroom extract powders and 100% organic heirloom cacao. It's a perfect addition to coffee, tea, smoothies, etc. It contains 25% of the highest grade cacao with bioactive cell wall extracted mushrooms. It's adaptogenic. It's energizing. It can support adrenal recovery. The other thing is I've mentioned on this podcast some of their teas. So they have their time for bed tea, which is great at helping you make that transition into healthy sleep. They have their tummy tea, which is packed full of herbs that can support your digestive process and so many more. One of the best parts about it is when you have company over and you pull out this noticeably different tea, it's a really nice surprise for your guests. And it's also a great nightcap habit for us to get into to support our bodies. And you can get 20% off your entire purchase by using the coupon code SMARTPEOPLE20. So go to goldenpoppyherbs.com and use the coupon code SMARTPEOPLE20. goldenpoppyherbs.com, coupon code SMARTPEOPLE20 for 20% off your entire order. Let's get back to the show. Interesting. Okay. So the aging journal. I don't know how many people are going to do that. You ever get frustrated by that? Like, hey, I've got a nice <laughs> silver bullet here. Not that it is, but uh, and people go, I, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take much time. It yeah, take a couple of minutes true. a day. That's true. Uh, you know, and, and you could actually like wait till, you, you know, at the, um, at the end of the day to, to do it. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that you're constantly doing all throughout the day. But I think just to bring that level of monitoring we have found can really make a, a big difference in improving age beliefs. Monitoring, such a good word. We interviewed a woman, her name is Dr. Amishi Ja, and she talked about focus. And one of the examples she used is, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna mess up analogies, but a spotlight and a flashlight and things like that. And I think to your point, just turning the flashlight a little bit towards things like that can help immensely because just this conversation, questioning, what do I believe? And recognizing there is a choice. Like I can choose to see the older people I know doing incredible things, or I can choose to see the flip side of that. But now knowing the scientific impact, I feel like has a real return on that investment. Exactly. Yes. So I think there's definitely important health benefits by increasing monitoring and then questioning also, I think is, you know, is a really important part, part of the process. Questioning when portrayals are negative, why are they negative and, you know, and how can we flip them around? Yeah. Can you give us one more? So I love the monitoring. I love the journaling. What's one other way we might be able to adjust it? And like you said, there's a lot in the book and we are definitely going to link to the website. Just mm -hmm. a teaser. Yeah. I mean, so I think another thing is to be armed with the science. And so also in Breaking the Age Code, I present 15 common myths about aging and mm. then the science, which shows why they're just not true. So I think having that information and being able to draw from it. So if somebody says something really negative, 
just really marking what it was that they said about aging and then think about, okay, well, what is the science behind it? And why does the science disprove what was just said? And ideally tell that person, you know, so, and, and it doesn't have to be right away either. You know, it can be, because I find I often don't have a response ready right away when I hear something that's ageist or some a negative portrayal of aging, but you can always go back to that person afterwards and say like, hey, you know, you know what you just said the other day? I was thinking about that. You said that memory declines for all older people and, you know, the science doesn't really follow that. So I think, I think just knowing what the science is or having a resource that you can check that has the information and then to, to, to check in on some of these negative uh, messages when they're just false can be really important. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. And this, again, another realization, how much of our beliefs are shaped by people trying to make money? Like, really, why do I think almost for certain old people lose their memory? Right, right. So I think, I mean, as we talked about, I think there is profit to be made in fearing aging. So there's a lot of industries that are built on on fear of aging. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I think, I mean, everything from the these, um, you know, the uh, there's all, all these kinds of, um, sorry, injections and surgeries and uh, interventions that are based on sort of fear of falling and so even though, I mean, all of these things can happen, I think by having such a strong emphasis on it and having industries that want to make a profit from that, those fear messages, uh, I, think, I think we really have to think about as a culture how we can counter that. Yeah. We talked about the memory one. What's, what's one of the most surprising false beliefs about aging? Yeah. So, well, memory is a great one to talk about because I think that probably is perhaps the most common uh, negative stereotype about aging is that all memory declines for all older people. But we know um, from the science that there are many different types of memory. So some of them stay the same, such as procedural memory, like riding a bike. Some of them actually get better with aging, such as something that's called semantic memory or the ability to like learn new vocabulary often can, can improve in, in later life. Um, so there are this whole range of types of memory. And we also know that there are just many examples. There's a lot of uh, variation in how people do with all of these measures. So we know there are some older people who have excellent memories. Um, so for example, in writing the book, uh, there's somebody who I really enjoy talking to was this man named John, who is an 84 year old actor. And he took on the memory task of memorizing a 60,000 word poem. And uh, so he, and he, he did this over a couple of, he memorized it and then he performed it over a couple of days, did this wonderful job. And he, what's interesting about him is that he credits his ability to do this by his own positive age beliefs about aging. So he said that when he was taking on this memory task, he thought of this cellist who played beautiful music into his 80s and 90s, and that image inspired him and motivated him to take on this great memory task. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I wrote down, you have a lot of excellent stories, case studies, things that can make this relevant. John sounds like one of your favorites. What's another one that you enjoyed learning about where it showed the power of this on actually on our health. One of my favorite, actually, another favorite person that I talked to was this um, pediatrician named Jonas, who 
um, he, in his case, he actually had a high level of a biomarker for dementia that for most people would translate into a number of cognitive losses. But for him, he was able to um, actually overcome some of the, these physiological mar markers. And he credits in part his ability to do that um, with his own positive role models that he developed. So he, as, a, as a young doctor, he got to know a lot of older doctors who taught him a lot of information and a lot of ways of, of interacting with the community. And so those role models, he felt like really inspired him. And he became this um, world-class diagnostician. So he was often able to identify these like really rare diseases in babies and young children and became a role model for his you know, medical community. So. Um, yeah, and that actually, and it ties in with some of our research, some of the science, which has also shown that, you know, even people we have found who are born with this risky gene for Alzheimer's, if they take on more positive age beliefs, they actually have a 40% lower chance of developing dementia. And it actually, they lower their levels to the same level of somebody who is not born with this risky gene. So there's really just a lot of room for us to, you know, make an impact on our health. See, and that is, again, like it's a perfect loop back to the beginning. I don't understand. I don't know if anybody does, but I keep talking to smart people, which is how does the thinking shape something like that? I mean, so epigenetics, right, has made its arrival only in to the layman, I think, the last 10 to 15 years. Do you think we'll ever know how just having these, for example, these age beliefs changes a physical marker we have? by such a massive amount. Right. So yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned epigenetics. That's, yeah, that's such a cool idea. And you know, the idea of how our genes impact, um, are impacted by these psychosocial factors and how they come together to really impact health. I think that's such an interesting, exciting area of, of science right now. Um, and so yes, it definitely these findings fit right into that research on epigenetics. So it's not that the beliefs change our genes. So we are born with genes that determine everything from our hair color to our eye color. It's not that it, they change how they, um, how they express themselves, but they change what's the environment around the genes. So that's, uh, so not, we know not everybody who has this risky gene for dementia, for example, develops dementia. So about half of them do and half of them don't. And so what epigenetics shows is why is it that the half that don't develop it, what are the protective factors that prevent that risky gene from being expressed? And I think perhaps the mechanism that um, has shown the most support is probably stress levels. So we know from our experiments that people who um, are, when we strengthen the positive age beliefs, we show a lowering of sort of cardiovascular stress levels. And then when we strengthen or like activate the negative age beliefs, we, sh we show an increase in stress levels. And we know that stress can impact how these genes operate and whether they're expressed and whether they determine different kinds of health outcomes. Wow, that's, that's really cool. And look, I could imagine you get to a certain age, let's say it's 60, I'm just making that up. And you go, am I actually old? And then you say, what does this mean to me? And I could imagine if subconsciously deep down, it only means negative things that I would just be more baseline stressed out. I mean, think you trip and you go, is that the end? Did I just break my hip or whatever it is? Right. As opposed to, again, these positive things that we've all seen 
I mean, I can't help but to think about my grandmother. She just recently passed away and she was 97, I think. This woman, even asking her in her late 90s, I was like, Grandma, how long are you going to stick around? She said, ah, oh, when I'm done being pissed off at this, that, and the other. Like she was fueled by <laughs> a little bit of anger, but, you know, she, up until the end, she never thought she was any less able. And that's why, despite probably not a lot of things on her side in terms of either genetics or whatever, uh, she, she crushed it. So it's just amazing how I think, and this is why I really want to talk to you, a lot of things we think are just chance or luck really can come down to our beliefs and how we engage in the world and the things around us. Exactly. Yeah. Your grandmother sounds great. She was yeah. awesome. So she was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that, and so probably that kind of um, attitude of taking on the world and not being you know, like ruled by it, but finding ways to, to make a mark on the world. I mean, I think that that's part of being you know, this active uh, member of society and not just letting these messages rule us, but taking a step back and saying, okay, which of these messages make sense? Which of these do I want to say, hey, that's really diminishing older people in a way that's just not fair, that's just not just? How do I operate in a world that is driven by wanting an age-just society? And I, and I think that that's something that, you know, that we all can do. Yeah. Last question on this. How have you noticed your own beliefs change as you have integrated so much of this into your life? Yeah, um, you know, so that's a good question. So I think um, on the one hand, I am always looking out for positive role models and positive examples of aging. And in uh, something I write about in the book is developing a portfolio of positive images. So I think I am always really happy when I have another person or example, uh, you know, of, of, of older people that I can add to this portfolio. But on the other hand, I do find that even with all of my awareness and knowledge that I still find myself sometimes having these negative age beliefs uh, brought up in my own mind. And I, so for example, um, I have found, so sometimes in interviewing an older person, I find that I will start speaking in a way, like a slower style of speech and using like smaller words. And so that's called elder speak. And, and a lot of us naturally do that when, when interacting with older people. And so I, I have found myself doing that and saying like, hey, that that isn't good. <laughs> I should not be doing that. Why am I doing that? How can I shift it? And I think even in that example, I think, okay, well, if I were talking to somebody my age, if we were just talking right now, how would I speak? And, um, and I find that I'm able to become more aware of some of the way that I'm interacting and then shift it. So I think, uh, so I, I think it, it has to be because of our culture, you know, I think because we've taken these images at such a young age, I think it does take this active monitoring and this active um, listening to ourselves, listening to people around us and countering it when we can. That's important. This is just a great way to end it. I mean, again, the book is breaking the age code because we only caught this in the last minute of the episode. But what you just said there about elder speak, I mean, I've got two little kids, right? And I even talk to them differently at different ages, six versus three. And I can imagine saying the same thing to a grandparent, you know, that I would say to my three-year-old. I'd say, 
hey, buddy, to my three-year-old. And to my grandmother, I'd say, hey, grandma. But to my friends, I don't go, hey, friend, you know, yeah. or whatever. Or I didn't greet you that way. So just those exactly. types of things all coming together to form our beliefs and who we are. And look, you you don't have to be altruistic about this. This doesn't have to be for all the other old people. This can be for you, like listening, right? This is to um, improve your health. And then of course, the impact it will have on those that are older around you. Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was great. <laughs> well, Becca, again, thanks so much for being on the book, Breaking the Age Code, How Your Beliefs About Aging Determine How Long and How Well You Live. You mentioned your website. We're going to link to that so everybody can take their quiz. It will be up by the time this airs, I would imagine. Um, are you active on social anywhere else? People can continue learning about this. Yes. Um, also, I have a well a faculty webpage um, at Yale that lists a lot of my research. And if anybody wants me to send any of the studies I talked about or that they see, on, you know, on my, on my website, I'm, I'm more than happy to to send them by email or however is most convenient. So yes, so you can um, find me that way. And then also on the website I mentioned, there's other other information about the studies and research that led to the book. Fantastic. Becca, thank you so much. Thank you. Great to talk to you. This week's guest was Becca Levy. Becca's book, Breaking the Age Code, How Your Beliefs About Aging Determine How Long and Well You Live, will be available on April 12th, wherever books are sold. The host of this episode was Chris Stemp, and it was edited by yours truly, John Rojas. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And if you want to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website, smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you stay tuned because we've got a lot of great interviews coming up and we'll see you all next episode.